0: As a leader, there are two personalities you have. One is individual you and then there is an organization, right? So there is a one framework which I always uh, follow and tell people that, you know, choose the non-emotional response to any given situation and see how much easier your life becomes.
1: Welcome to the Agency Hour podcast. Hey, if you're a web designer, digital agency owner, looking to create abundance for yourself, your team and your community, you're in the right place. Today, we're joined by Manish Doudarijia, founder and CEO of E2M Solutions, the most trusted white label partner for digital agencies. Manish manages a team of 180 staff who all work in the same building. You heard that right, 180. It hurts my brain and keeps me up at night just thinking about it. In this episode, we discuss how to increase capacity in your agency, why Apple products are designed in California but manufactured in China, and the secret to managing a massive team like E2M. We also discuss the importance of formatting communication with your team, giving your team permission to make mistakes in order to grow, and much more. I'm Troy Dean, stay with us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Agency Hour, Manish Dudarijia from E2M Solutions. Hey, Manish, how are you, my friend? Hey, Troy, I'm good. How about you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for being up at 4.30 in the morning to join us here on the Agency Hour. I really appreciate your time and your effort. And also, I want to publicly say I really appreciate E2M's sponsorship of the Agency Hour podcast because it allows us to frankly spend more time making this a better quality podcast for our audience uh, and i really appreciate everything that you guys are doing for our community so thank you so much for that
0: absolutely thank you for having me on the show you know it's always great to speak with you connect with you and yeah i love supporting agency mavericks community i think you know you and team are doing amazing stuff for agencies to help them scale so it's a privilege, definitely.
1: Thank you. Now, for the, for those that don't know, just give them the sort of too long, didn't read version of who you are, how you started E2M and what E2M does exactly.
0: Yeah, I'm the founder and CEO of E2M. Uh, so I started E2M 11 years back uh, in 2012. So yeah, next month, we are going to complete 11 years. Wow. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I think, you know, I mean, when I started E2M, it wasn't like only agency focused. It wasn't like just white level. Uh, initially, we were just doing literally everything. And initially, we started as an SEO agency. Uh, later in the business, we realized, okay, there is a there is a great opportunity. There is a great gap to fill where there are a lot of agency businesses, you know, they really want to scale their agency business and and focus on growth and really do not want to go through the pain of like operations, hiring, vetting, firing and, and everything, execution side and that's where they are always looking for a, a reliable team you know, to execute the projects and deliver to their clients on time so we found a sweet spot that okay let's just be agency focused and uh, mm. uh, you know just be a white level partner so that's how mm. you know and then obviously Rust is the history a lot happened Uh, Mm -hmm. Over the course of last year, but to give you a high level idea, yeah, uh, you know, we work as a white label partner uh, for agencies. So we help them solve like bandwidth and capacity problems. And yeah, as we uh, speak, uh, you know, we work with like 150 plus agencies all across the US, Canada, UK, and obviously Australia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we' onboarded like uh, seven to eight new agencies from Australia in the last two three months itself wow and yeah we got a team of like uh, hundred and eighty plus people
1: wow that's it's uh, i've said this before to um entrepreneurs who have large teams uh, but it's true. I lose sleep at night worrying about how you manage one hundred and eighty people like it just blows my mind the the kind of growth and i don't i don't know how you have how do you keep 180 people moving, like doing the right thing at the right time and keeping them on track? Like what is – I know you've been very deliberate with the culture that you've built at E2M. What do you think the secret is? Like if someone's starting out and they've got a few team members and things are starting to go sideways, what's the secret to getting everyone on the same page?
0: I think, you know, when you when you want to scale, it is very obvious that, yeah, you just have to create a mindset that okay, you have to give up your – you not know, driving seat, right? You are just have to put someone else behind the steering, behind the wheel. It's mm. not something you can drive all the time. Otherwise, you cannot scale, right? So, and obviously, the first thing, the, the fear comes to your mind that, okay, what if the person will not be doing exactly how am I doing, right? And that's mm-hmm. the that's the fear always stops you from mm. putting someone else behind the wheel. And that's the way, you know, you are stopping your growth. So I think it is inevitable that, uh, you know, if you're going to put someone at your spot, they are going to make the mistake, right? But that's the process. That's the game, right? The question is, like, how many minimum mistakes they are making, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's where, like, you know, you have the right people at the right place. So that's super, super important, like, who you are putting at what position, Right, mm-hmm. and so your your core leadership uh, team plays a huge, huge role, mm. and and then yeah, you know, having the right set of processes uh, at place, and super, super important that uh, you know uh, you the com the leadership team you are building they are working very closely with you, and uh, they are executing the way you want, like your vision. They understand your vision, you know. Uh, and those are the very, very key people, because when you have such a, when you want to build a, such a large team, obviously, there are so many things you won't be able to control. And uh, mm-hmm. there, there are so many small, small decisions, you cannot be involved absolutely on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it took a time. It's not an overnight process at all. I mean, uh, obviously, it took like over a decade, right? So patience mm-hmm. is uh, uh, the most important thing where... Mm-hmm. and. It, you also fail it's not something that uh, i did everything right right mm-hmm. i i had a wrong pos- people at the wrong positions and then i learned and mistake so i think it's super super important that uh, you know you constantly it's a try and test where you try something out and then learn from that you know what mistakes you made and next mm-hmm. time you you know do not make the same mistakes mm. so those are the very important things
1: When your team make mistakes, it costs you money as a business owner, right? You you watch your team make a mistake. You see that they're going to make a mistake before it even happens sometimes and you know that the train is going to completely derail and it's going to cost you money to fix this. But you also know that this is going to cost money to fix this because I might have to refund a client or work for free to fix it or put other team members on the problem or whatever. Um, But that's an investment. That cost is an investment in the team, right? Because the team have to learn how to get the train back on the tracks and how to fix it. How do, how do you, and I know this is a huge fear for a lot mm. of agency owners that they're just like, you know, that, that it's, how do you manage your own anxiety around, well, this is going to be a train wreck and I have to let it happen and I have to let the team learn, even though it's going to cost us money. That's just the way it is. How do you, how do you manage your, your mindset through that?
0: Yeah. Like I said, you know, the mistakes are ine- inevitable. The most important thing is that you are not repeating the same mistakes. Yes. Uh, yes. That is the super important thing. At least you are learning from the, you know, Mm -hmm. past mistakes and not repeating the the same one, right? I think, yeah, that's definitely a fear. One thing, you know, I always did it. I made sure to communicate. I think, you know, when I'm having a conversation with team, most of the time, I, I just tell them that, hey, you know, if I would be doing like this, I'll do it like this and I'll make sure not to do this because that's what you know one of the mistakes so I often talk about my mistakes that okay mm. one of the most common mistakes uh you know I always did so I wanted to make sure that you learn from that you do not repeat the kind of same mm. mistakes just to uh just to give you an idea like you know I was having a conversation actually uh, yesterday with our HR and uh there were some disciplinary issue with one of our of our employees right and uh, and i always told her that in in the past i always made a mistake where there are few disciplinary issues and then you make a strict policies and implement across the organization which is not the right thing right Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. really want to go after the particular person Mm. not to punish everyone right with Mm -hmm. making a very strict policies and everything that's not the good for Mm -hmm. the culture so i think that way you know they learn and do yeah. not repeat. So we don't want to be, a, a typical conventional, uh, corporate governance yeah. where, yes. uh, in, in, like, you know, where the one person, uh, goes, does something wrong. And then, the you know, other people have to uh, go mm. through something which they do not deserve. And, and there are so many different, uh, great people who are working so hard, working, and then they definitely uh, deserve a great culture, a great policies. Mm. Right. So I think, uh, coming back to our discussion, yeah, super, super important that uh, mistakes are inevitable, right? You mm. communicate, you just, uh, and and all you can do is like, you know, like having the process and updating those processes over the time. Mm. And all you can do is like, what's in your uh, control? Like as long as whatever you can envision, okay, what are the possible mistakes this person could make? And you Mm -hmm. just, you know, make them aware that, hey, these are the things we really need to avoid. That's what we can do in order to minimize the mistakes. And obviously, if you are choosing the right person who understands the importance of not making the same mistake again, yeah, you will get that at a point where you will be making the minimum um, mistakes and that will cost you at minimum.
1: Yeah. But but you have to let your team make mistakes, right? It's important that they make mistakes because that's how they learn. So. So yeah. you put, you put guardrails around them but uh, the, the mistake I made in the early days was I would see a train about to crash and I would come in at the last minute and save it and get it yeah. back on track. And what happened is I had a team member once say uh, – I had a team member resign once and on the way out uh, during the kind of exit interview he said – I can't do my job, you won't let me do my job because you keep yeah. coming in at the last minute and kind of trying to rescue things. and so I, there's no point in me being here. You may as well just do it yourself. And that was a big lesson for me. Um, and the other, the other lesson I, the other lesson I learned was that um, <clears throat> you need to I think you need to give your team permission to make mistakes. You need to let them know it's okay to make mistakes. Yes. Right? I, I say to my team these days you won't get in trouble for making the wrong decision. But you will get into trouble if you don't make a bloody decision and you make me make all the decisions, right, Because yeah. or Emily, our CEO, because then we become the bottleneck. So, so make a decision, right? You know what we're trying to do here. You know the values. You, you know the company culture and our organization and our clients and what we do. Make a decision. If you made the wrong decision, just come talk to us about it. We'll back you 100% of the way and, yeah. and we'll, we'll fix it and make sure it doesn't happen again because chances are when people make a mistake, I also like to take a bit of responsibility and say, you know, it's our fault that we haven't communicated this clearly enough and that that's why you you did this because you weren't sure what the boundaries were. So we take a bit of responsibility, but you do have to let them make mistakes. Otherwise, otherwise they don't learn and they don't evolve and and they don't grow. And I think that's what people want more than anything at work is they want to know that they're growing and they want to know that they're contributing and that they're getting better and that they're developing as people.
0: Yeah. Uh, No, that's a great point. I think that's what uh, I have done it and I'm still doing it like, making people realize they have the real skin in the game right mm-hmm. I, when i when i tell them that hey you know you got to make a decision i just tell them that think like that you know when as a leader there are two personalities you have one is individual you and then there is an organization right so there is a one framework which i always uh, follow and tell people that you know, choose the non-emotional response to any given situation and see how much easier your life becomes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's the that's the most important thing. Often, you know, as a because we work with people, yeah, uh, it happens where it's very hard to make sometimes decisions just because of the the emotional reason, right? Yeah, so totally. Think like that when you are making a decision. You are not a actual person, mm-hmm. obviously. If you are the the businesses are related to people, you need to be more empathetic. But mm-hmm. as a from you have to think from a business. Business does not have emotions. Period. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. think like that. You you are a business, and you are making how to make decisions. So
2: mm.
0: I always tell them that you know, think like that. Uh, the second important thing uh, is is that uh, you know when you are making any any sort of uh, decisions like envision foresee the possible outcomes right so you be ready for that so it is all right uh it it happens you know like like you said you know i used to come at the last moment uh and 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 save everything and they they felt like okay you know and it's a psychological thing they then they will always bring you in the last moment mm. to save the bot right so mm. One of the things we started doing is right now, this is something interesting exercise. Uh, I think, you know, I had a meeting with our leadership team like last quarter. Whenever we get, you know, whenever we lose any client or whenever we get any escalation, I tell team, okay, come up with at least three reasons. What could have gone wrong from our end? We don't Mm -hmm. want to play a blame game. Hey, this wasn't provided by client. Client wasn't okay. This wasn't the right client. That's fine. We'll figure that out later, right? Mm-hmm. If the client is not right for us, we'll let them go. But at least think like that, you know, do that kind of like brainstorming exercise, uh, which we call like, you know, postmortem exercise where there is a, like mm-hmm. the entire team, account manager, customer service, salespeople, project manager, the actual team, they just get together and just brainstorm that, okay, rather than blaming internally or to client, what, what could have, we could have done it appropriate way, we could have mm-hmm. avoided this escalation. Mm. So these kind of exercises, which is like, you know, uh, more of a realization and ex- exercises, uh, which help them to realise that, okay, which we could have, the steps which we could, we could have taken from our end. So at least mm. they know, okay, the next time we could avoid this kind of, uh, you know, mistakes.
1: Mm. You know, it's, we, it's, um, oh man, I, I, it's just, it just vindicates, our alignment, and I don't want this to turn into the mutual admiration podcast. But uh, you know, when when you reached out, when you first emailed me,
0: yeah,
1: uh, to introduce yourself, your first email was actually you expressed interest in sponsoring the podcast. And initially, we said no because we didn't have any sponsors on the podcast, and also because we didn't know you. We'd heard I'd heard about E2M, and I'd only yeah. heard good things. Mm. But every time you and I talk, it, I'm 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 vindicated about my decision to partner with you guys because. I feel like everything you say I'm about to say or have said or I'm, I'm learning, like there's such a, there's such an alignment. And obviously you were out at MavCon on the Gold Coast uh, recently at our event and I know that uh, you've picked up a bunch of agency clients from that event, which is fantastic, and we've heard amazing feedback from the clients that you've been working with. So thank you for continuing to do great work for our, our clients. But one of the things I, I want to unpack is – You know, we were talking about this before we hit record. Is we're in the services game, right? So we Mm. we sell and we deliver largely intangible things, right?
2: Mm.
1: We're not making. You know, my parents have a trophy business, and uh, and uh, they, you know, they work with physical products. So they buy all the components of these trophies, they put them together, they send them out to customers. Now. If I sent this to Alibaba and said, hey, can you make me a thousand of these, they would make them pretty much identical because they know exactly what the finished product looks like, right? Mm. Because they can see it, they can touch it, they can feel it. They can feel how heavy it is. They see what materials it's made of. With a website and SEO and digital marketing, it's so subjective, right? I explain something to you. The client explains it to me. I explain it to you. Things get lost in translation. How – what have you done? And I think this is the thing that holds – Most freelancers back from becoming agencies and holds most agencies back from putting their foot on the pedal from a sales and marketing point of view, right? Because I firmly believe that if you're in the web design, SEO, digital marketing space in 2023, post COVID, with everything that's happening with AI, if you're not on your way to making seven figures a year in revenue, then you're doing something wrong, right? It is such a golden time right now. It is such an incredible opportunity to be absolutely killing it. And I think the thing that holds most people back is either imposter syndrome because they don't have the confidence or the, the, they don't have confidence in their own abilities or lack of team, which is the same thing. They don't have capacity or confidence in the team's ability to deliver what it is they're promising. So, And I think what it comes down to is people are afraid of or they don't understand how to communicate. You you touched on it before. People think that they're the only ones that can do the job, right? I'm the only ones that can build these websites and do local SEO for clients. No one else can do it the way I do it, which is complete rubbish, right? We're not unicorns. In fact, I would argue that most people listening to this podcast are not the best at what they do. In fact, they're probably um, probably a 6 out of 10 at what they do and they should be surrounding themselves with smarter people. And that's not to offend anyone that's listening to this, it's just the reality. But I think the thing that holds people back is they're afraid on some level that they're not going to know how to communicate the expectations and the brief to their team, whether it's a white label partner like E2M or whether it's their, their own team that they're hiring or someone they found on Fiverr or whatever, that they're not going to be able to communicate it in a way and that they're not going to get back what they expected. They've maybe done it before in the past and they've been burnt and so now they're choosing to stay small because they don't know how to communicate a brief and get something back that is what they're expecting or even better than what they're expecting. So what I'm curious about is yes, we've heard amazing things from our clients about what you guys are doing. How do you – how have you managed to get your team to, to communicate with the client but also communicate internally to make sure that you're delivering what's expected?
0: Yeah. No, that's uh –
1: it's a big that, question. I oh, know. <laughs> it's
0: a big question. Yeah. And it's it actually absolutely great question. It evolved over the period of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no uh, perfect answer to this question, but I think this is a continuously evolution process since we have over a decade of experience. We worked with so many different clients. So mm. I think, you know, what uh, as an agency uh, owner, you really need to make sure that, okay, what are the you have to put together in order to be successful, right? You need to communicate. So what usually we do is like, you know, uh, we have a process. So you have an onboarding, we have an onboarding process where Mm -hmm. we make sure that we have every single information needed from client in order to be successful, right? There Mm -hmm. is no vague information. So for that, we always ask agencies that, hey, do you have a particular way of format you really want to pass information to us or you can fill out our, uh, you know, format. So mm-hmm. we, over the period of time we have developed, uh, you know, kind of a questionnaires that kind of like, uh, you know, intake forms, uh, mm-hmm. which gets us all the information. So ultimately it comes down to the processes that, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to have some sort of way of like, you know, uh, transforming that information, transferring that information, right? So you always have that uh, question that how should I be able to communicate? Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of ways, you know, you make sure you have the calls recorded, sales calls, initial sales calls recorded with your clients. So you can pass one their sales calls recordings, uh,
2: mm. you know,
0: to your team. So exactly your team uh, understands, you know, what the kind of conversations you had with your uh, clients, right? Um, mm. Make sure the scope is very much clear, right? So there's a scope creep and everything, right? That uh, these are the very much important things as well. So I think you have to be clear at your end that, okay, at least you understand everything, right? Mm-hmm. Then, it is soup. then it's just a matter of putting together everything in the right format and then pass that information to the team, right? And mm-hmm. that the same uh, information goes, uh, you know, passes down to the team as well. So one rule we follow is that never start anything unless you are 100% clear what you need to do, right? Mm. So uh, that is super, super important to avoid any kind of uh, back and forth. Get on the client call, uh, you know, often, right? Mm. Uh, In terms of like whenever there are doubts and whenever there is a huge, when you feel like, okay, there is a huge clarification needed, Mm do not stretch that thing right? Mm-hmm. Be realistic, uh, in terms of commitment and deliveries, you No, know? mm-hmm. uh, although sometimes clients don't like it, but you know, it is what it is, right? Be, be absolutely, absolutely realistic. So mm-hmm. I think it comes down to being self-organized, right? You know, having the right formats and processes in the mm-hmm. place, uh, because, and obviously, you know, finding the person. So we always, uh, we, we talked about this earlier as well, right? That you really want to have the person, uh, you know, who actually is doing the job without title, right? The, you have to identify the person who loves to do what you kind of like, you know, start hating to do, not literally hate. But mm-hmm. obviously you are no more interested to in doing that stuff. So you might want to uh, put someone uh, as, a, as, a, as a license to mm-hmm. do all that stuff which you are doing and which you are kind of afraid of, right? Mm-hmm. So Now, there are kind of like AI note takers, there are Mm -hmm. tools out there, you know, which can take the tools from your meeting and put Mm. those notes and just pass those notes as well, right? So, Mm -hmm. I think this is a very subjective thing, like how you really want to do it. But yeah, uh, it's like making sure you have the right processes and people uh, and Mm. formats in the place.
1: Yeah, I, w- I want to come back and unpack a little bit more of that in a second, but I just do want to give people a resource, airgram.io, dot io, A-I-R-G-R-A-M.io, airgram.io. I don't have an affiliate link for that. I should have, but I don't. Uh, it is the tool that we're using at the moment that records. What I love about it is that it automatically records all of our Zoom calls. It uh, automatically transcribes them. You can then generate a chat GPT style summary of it. You can then highlight parts of the transcript and create a to-do item and pipe yeah. that into Asana. You mm. can highlight parts of a transcript and pipe that straight into a Slack channel. You can also highlight parts of the transcript and create a clip, a video clip of that call just of that part of the transcript. So what we're doing is we're using that to extract gold out of... You imagine you're on a call with a client and you, mm. they ask you some questions and you give them some strategic advice, which is really helpful. Well, as long as you're not using the client's details and you're not exposing their privacy... You can clip that bit out of the call in a couple of seconds and then share that on LinkedIn or Facebook as a marketing video to let people know the kind of way, the way that you think and the way that you approach problem solving. So airgram.io, definitely worth checking out. Um, you talk about formats a lot. Um, you talk about the intake form. Um, I I used to cringe when we would on board with a new agency doing whatever they were doing for us and they'd send us this big long intake form. Um, and, it, and the reason I used to cringe is because some of the ans- some of the questions i couldn 't answer back in early mm-hmm. in our business right i didn 't know who our perfect client avatar was i didn 't know our reason, our vision, all that kind of stuff now i've I use dictation software on the Mac, so I talk to my computer rather than type, and I can answer those intake forms in about two minutes because I know mm-hmm. it so and I, you know what I actually love a good intake form now because it forces me. I, it, it helps me sharpen my saw. Every time I describe who our perfect client is, they get a little bit clearer to me. Yes, they get a little yes. bit more. They mm. get a little bit more three dimensional, right? Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> um, I, I'm. I'm also. You also mentioned that you you ask an agency, and this is one thing I think that's worth exploring. Is you say to them, "What format would you like to give it to us in?" Mm. Or if you don't have a preferred format, you can use our intake form. Right? Yes. So, and I know that, uh, one of our clients mentioned that you guys, um, built a website for them recently. You, you project managed it all, uh, in, in their project management tool, you communicated yes. in their Slack. So it sounds to me like you're very flexible in working with the agency's chosen tech stack or their chosen process. If the agency's already got a process dialed in that you'll work within their existing process, but if they don't have one, then you've got your own processes that they can follow.
0: That's correct. I think, uh, one of the uh, you know most important things for agencies is like when they really want to uh, you know onboard a white level partner team to free up their time and scale, the biggest concern is like we don't want to get introduced to new processes and tools mm. because mm. we don't have a time to learn new processes and tools, and that's the reason mm. you know uh, we make it very flexible for them that hey you know you can set up an email address white level email address for us will be part of your project collaboration tool. So it's Mm. literally plug and play will be Mm. a part of your channel. So you feel like you are uh, onboarding a team, uh, Mm. but now you don't have to train them. It's uh, vetted, it's highly experienced and ready Mm. to hit the ground from day one, right? Mm. So uh, that's the biggest uh, thing, uh, you know, agencies uh, should take uh, into consideration that, uh, yeah, you really don't know what, uh, you really want to have, a partner or team who are ready to hit the ground from day one specifically mm-hmm. when you do not have a time to train them and do not mm-hmm. want to get into a training process or introducing learning about new tools and mm-hmm. processes and like that right mm-hmm. so that helps a lot agencies uh, so i think yeah uh, the biggest fear you know coming back to our thing that okay how to have your team communicate the same thing and the biggest fear you always have as like having someone else to do what you are doing is, again, uh, that the the first thing, you have, how many new things you have to do it, right? So you really want to find someone who is who knows your style, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. So we onboard a lot of agencies who are actually developers. They are doing everything by themselves. And... Mm-hmm. The biggest concern they have that, hey, you know, I have a particular way of building the websites. I use this mm-hmm. particular page builder. I mm-hmm. follow certain types of plugins and everything. So what we started doing is during the onboarding call, we asked them to provide three latest websites they have built and provide, mm-hmm. them the, uh, provide us the back-end access. So what mm-hmm. we just do it, we just go through the three latest sites they have built. We exactly know now exactly how he has been, the client has been building the site. Mm-hmm. And then we follow the same thing, right? So mm. these are the few things uh, which help, uh, you know, us to be uh, understand, you know, how they want certain things to be done. And then we ask them, like, you know, there is a particular, if you have a specific list of plugins you want us to, you know, use, yeah, we'll make mm-hmm. sure to use that thing as well. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have, so we have our own standards and checklists, which we follow uh, for mm-hmm. building websites, few Q and everything which agencies love either because we have, you know, those are more proprietary information. If they don't have it, then we just follow ours. So mm. it's like giving them an option that, okay, hey, uh, if you don't have it, that's fine. We have it, right? So mm-hmm. they know uh, that, okay, uh, this is something going to work out for sure because mm. now at least either of us have processes, checklist, standards, and everything yep. uh, which is needed to make the project successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And th- and there's a cost involved in that for you, right? As a business owner, because your staff <clears throat> are then having to <clears throat> learn different processes. Like it's yes. It's um it would be easier and more efficient and cheaper for you and and frankly you would have more margin if your whole team did everything the same way every time, right?
2: Yeah.
1: But I know because you and I've met and we've hung out and we've spoken and we had dinner even though I was as sick as a dog when we had dinner that night, but your <laughs> your uh, vision is to make it as easy as possible for the agency to grow by leveraging your team. And so th- there is a cost involved in your team. I'm just letting everyone know here that like this is, uh, you've invested and given your team the time to learn those processes for all the different agencies. And if you've got 150 different agency clients, then you've got you know dozens of different ways of doing things. And there is an admin overhead and a cost involved in that. Um, How do you manage, and this is not a trick question, I'm generally curious, how do you manage your internal knowledge base within the company? Like if someone says, oh, I don't know how to do this with ACF and someone else has already done it with ACF, how do you guys communicate or manage that internal knowledge base?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And uh, that brings the most important thing is like uh, last week itself, like DV launched uh, AI Mm Builder. So it is coming. Right, and uh there is definitely the moment something comes like that, we literally have to put few people to learn that as quickly as possible because
2: mm.
0: yeah. yeah, we are like you know we do a lot of work on WordPress which that's our core forte, so mm. we just have to be ahead of the call and make sure that you know we are uh we are early adopters, right, mm. so a couple of things like we have a hierarchy, we have a delivery manager, then we have a, like uh, 15 project managers then we have a tech lead and then there we have a team right so we have a appropriate hierarchy for that um, mm-hmm. we have a few technical people who are responsible for certain type of technical research and making sure staying ahead mm-hmm. of the curve. Uh, there is the one thing second thing we maintain a common repository of the things people are working on and then uh, there is a delivery manager, you know, who is, like, having a monthly meeting with all the project managers. And that's where they discuss what are the most common challenges they have had last month. What are the, you know, most uh, uh, common solution? Like, some something which is, like, useful to others, right? Mm-hmm. So, we have some, some common repositories where we maintain that data. And then we discuss that out, uh, you know, in, like, monthly meeting. And then there is a Slack, Slack channel, we have a Skype group of a project managers where mm-hmm. the one person will quickly ask because the entire team is working with either like all these 10 to 15 project managers that, Hey, mm-hmm. anyone worked on that and mm-hmm. people keep posting that. So I think one rule we have is like, uh, okay, before you, you don't need to reinvent the wheel in right. order to quickly check with someone else that, Hey, how, Anyone done something like this, I am doing uh, these kind of things, right? Yeah. So, yes, it takes a lot of resources, uh, you know, and that's what the agencies benefit uh, while working with us. That's right. They don't have to, because it's constantly evolving, right? Like I said, you know, DV launched an AI builder. So, obviously, they want to leverage that. They don't have a time to learn, which is something we will do it. Uh, That's right. So, and, and, yeah. and,
1: and this is one of the things that I've, I've – we've, we've onboarded uh, We onboarded seven new Mavericks in July. I think we've onboarded four or five mm-hmm. in August so far. So we're growing – we're 100% focused now on onboarding 100 new Mavericks Club members in this mm-hmm. financial year, which is July to June, and we're on track. Um, and I've been having a lot of <laughs> – part of when people join Mavericks Club is the first thing we do is a one-on-one call with myself and Emily and their client success uh, navigator who's Anna or Jane and we go through their financials and we go through their spreadsheet, right? We go through their P&L and their margins and always, 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 always there are problems with the team. That's Mm. the bottleneck. There's always always someone on the team who, you know, is in the wrong role or shouldn't be there at all or is, you know, is not performing and there's always a capacity issue. And one of the things I say to new Mavericks is at least in the short term, the way to increase capacity in your team so that you can serve more clients and grow your revenue, because revenue isn't everything, but it sure as hell fixes a lot of problems, right? If you've got more revenue and more profit, the way to do that, at least in the short term and maybe in the long term, is to tap into a another agency partner like mm. E2M Solutions, for example, or... You know, if it's uh, if it's a different type of, um, like for example, an accounting firm who already has bookkeepers and already has a back office team built out in the Philippines, right? Yeah. Uh, tap into those companies who already have that infrastructure built. Yes.
2: Yes.
1: Now you will pay more mm-hmm. than if you than if you went and built your own team. Like if you built your own team uh, of, of a bookkeeper and admin support in the Philippines and manage them yourselves, it would be cheaper than using a local accounting firm who's already got that infrastructure. So you will pay more by using someone who's already built that infrastructure, but it will just allow you to move way faster. Yes. Right. That's so true. like full transparency, I know that uh, if I went to, uh, India and sourced my own developers it would probably be cheaper than if yes. I went to E2M but it's going to take me way longer I'm yeah. going to wait I'm going to make a lot of mistakes along the way I'm going to get my my fingers burnt I may it may even damage my confidence to the point where I don't want to build a team and I just want to stay small so the fact that you've got that infrastructure built out is what agencies are tapping into is not just your team of of talent but it's that infrastructure and those processes that you've spent yes. the last 11 years building right and that's what allows them to move faster. Now, the other thing I think that is uh, a big benefit of what you guys do is am I right in saying that 180 staff all work out of the same building?
0: That's correct. So we have a 20,000-square-foot office, so everyone working from the same office. So it's a very collaborative uh, approach. So that makes things much, much easier Mm. as well Mm. uh, for clients to work with us because it's not something that – that's where we – I I have a very different perspective. So I know we are in a remote economy, right? But Mm -hmm. uh, uh, still, I feel like uh, having, uh, you know, everyone at the same uh, place makes a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. building
0: a culture, right? And that's what (laughs) Mm -hmm. makes things easy. Like you said, like, you know, how do you uh, keep track of all this knowledge and everything, right? So we do schedule this kind of monthly, there are always, Knowledge sharing sessions going on. Mm. So at least mm. these kind of sessions happen. Like a couple of sessions happen every month where we have an open invite to everyone. And since mm. everyone is on the same floor, people can just join. So even like, uh, you know, someone is having uh, uh, taking a session on like GA, GTM, uh, and then you know, developer can even join and learn that thing. So there is always a cross thing, across mm. uh, knowledge sharing happens as well. So yeah, mm. that. Uh, I, I agree with you. You I know, wanted to just share one small thing uh, about this thing where you really do not want to reinvent the wheel. If someone has already done that, mm. why don't you leverage that thing, right? That's and
1: right.
0: We often forget the biggest example, you know, the product we always use is Apple, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: you say it's clearly, say it's designed in California and, you know, manufactured in China because That's right. they know that if they would be manufacturing iPhones in the States, they would be selling at like 3X, 4X cost. That's right. And and even if they tried to do it in the States, they might not be able to match the pace, quality and quantity because the the level of infrastructure processes and everything China has, they figured it out, right? That's right. They figured it out. If you think like, you know, the trillion dollar company uh, is doing that thing, yeah. Then you really we talked about that earlier. If you remember, like you know, you really want to have your strong position in the ecosystem. Yeah. Understand your e- position in the ecosystem, yeah. And then just the leverage, uh, you know, partnerships around, and just grow together.
1: Yeah. The Japanese invented just-in-time inventory, right? So in the old yes. days when you made cars you would have a warehouse, completely massive warehouse full of car parts and then as the car came around, you'd have a forklift, go get the part off the shelf, come and put it on the car. The Japanese at one point went, hang on a second, there's a lot of real estate here full of car parts that sit here for three months before they go in the cars. Why don't we just have the truck pull up, open the roller door, take the parts off the back of the truck and put them straight on the car and we don't have to warehouse them? They invented just-in-time inventory, right, and they completely disrupted the automobile manufacturing industry. Now, in Australia, we don't manufacture cars here anymore. Guess why? Because we're really bad at it. We're really (laughs) inefficient, right, really inefficient. And everyone was screaming, crying poor that the manufacturing, the car industry in Australia has gone under and that the government should support it. And I was like, no, 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 no. We should not be injecting money into an industry That is so bad we can't compete on the global stage. We should let the Japanese and the Koreans make cars because they're really good at it. Let Mm -hmm. them do it. We can do other things. We are the country best positioned on the planet to Mm -hmm. produce solar energy because we're basically a desert, right? Our whole country should be filled with solar farms and we should be exporting solar energy to the rest of the world, but instead it's easier to dig up the planet and sell coal and uranium and iron ore than it is to think about innovating renewables. Don't get me started on that. So uh, so what we do is we just have a whinge when our car industry goes bust because we couldn't figure out how to do it as well as the Japanese, right? So, yeah, so that's a great
0: example, yeah.
1: The people who do it best, let them do it. And one thing, the other thing about it's not just economics, right? Like partnering with someone in – uh, India or the Philippines or Vietnam or Thailand for doing development SEO work. It's not just about economics. It's about the talent pool. One thing I've yeah. learned over the years is a big part of, um, and I use the Philippines as an example because I've been there and we had a team. We had a team there and we still have some of a the team there. Is that a big part of their economy is tourism, mm. and then uh, admin support for yeah. Australian, US, Canadian, New Zealand, UK. Uh, uh, Companies based companies, right? So they have not only built infrastructure specifically to support uh, companies in in our countries, but they've also trained their population to do the job. We we don't have the same talent pool in Australia, and I'm sorry if people listening to this are going to be offended by this, but I'm telling you now, per head of population. There are more talented people in the digital marketing space in countries that are not Australia and the US and Canada because we haven't invested in training our population to do those yeah. jobs, right? Mm. Uh, whereas India, um, uh, Philippines, Thailand, I mean the, the SEO capital of the world is Chiang Mai in Thailand, right? It's where all where all the big SEO guys hang out and they train the SEO teams over there to do it, partially for a lifestyle uh, choice, but that's just where they've landed we just haven't made the investment for whatever reason so i think it's 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 not only um, not only economically does it make sense but also just opening yourself to a much wider talent pool and giving yourself the option to tap into that larger talent pool makes perfect sense and in fact i think if you are you know, we've had people come into Mavericks who were absolutely hell bent on only having local staff in their office, and they now have a team in India and the Philippines, and yeah. uh, so they've they've expanded their mind and they've expanded their talent pool, and they've they've as a result they've been able to grow faster because they have greater capacity on their team because they haven't restricted their thinking to just yes. thinking in their local kind of you know five kilometer radius.
0: Yeah, we are a part of global economy and we cannot avoid the facts. Certain facts we cannot avoid, although we don't like it or not. I mean, it's not something I'm like, you know, uh, speaking highly about India. But I mean, one thing like we have become the number one country in the world in terms of population. That's something we are not proud of, by the way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's not great. Uh, But yeah, that puts us in a very good and unique situation where we have the highest youth population in the world. Like, you know, mm. 35% of our population is youth population. And wow. uh, we are the, you know, highest, uh, we have the highest uh, people who are like English speaking people in the world. Mm. Right. Mm. So mm-hmm. because of the excess of internet, internet is so much inexpensive over here that mm-hmm. everyone has access of internet. And mm. that makes them exposed to the, all the, you know, Western culture, western mm-hmm. content and everything uh so people are people have become more adaptive so mm-hmm. i think you know uh that's and then so many great universities we have so many great programs we have so i think the you are right you know the i mean the the privilege we have is like tomorrow if i were to hire like 100 people more i can do it very easily because mm-hmm we have that kind of people available, you know, we are very dynamic who are like, you know, hungry for growth. They are very, well, they have a kind of right kind of willingness to learn and adopt the new things. Like they are very much curious about uh, uh, the opportunities as well. So I think we are mm-hmm. like, we are, we are like, you know, we are still a developing country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone is very much opportunist where people are very much opportunist, it's not something that, okay, we are already developed and we don't want to look for new opportunities. So that kind of like makes countries like us to be in a, a great uh, position. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, these are the facts which are like, like it or hate it, hate it but it's the fact, you know, you cannot avoid That's it.
1: right. That's yeah. right. And, and also, also. And how you, um, how
0: you leverage that. That's the. That's right. For that's, your own that's benefit. Right. Yeah.
1: That's right. And, and also, you know, uh, so, you know, uh, com- countries like Australia and the United States, have not invested in high-speed broadband the way that some other countries have, right? New Zealand yes. outranks Australia and and the US. The Philippines has way faster internet than Australia. Yeah. I don't care what the website's rankings tell you. I know because I have a team over there and we do speed checks and I've got like the fastest broadband you can get in Australia and my team in the Philippines still have faster broadband. So, yeah. you know, it, it's it's if, if you look at the countries that have invested in this infrastructure, they've invested in the talent, they've invested in building those processes and building those. I mean, in the Philippines, there's a place called Fort Bonifacio, which is basically the uh, Beverly Hills of Manila, right? And it's where Mm. all the big telcos and all the banks had their call centres pre-COVID. A lot of them are pulled out of there now. But um, they've invested in this entire city that is basically Mm. built for BPOs to support companies based in Australia, the US, Canada, New Zealand, the UK, Europe. Um, And so, you know, there's an entire economy that's been built up around that. So anyway, I I think um, – and and I know when we first started out, when I first started out building websites back in 2007, I I was resistant – to delegate or to outsource, as it was called back yeah. then. And the reason was is because I didn't know how to do it and I was absolutely terrified that I was going to get ripped off. I was terrified I was going to get taken for a ride. I was also terrified that I was going to promise something to a client and then not be able to deliver it because I wasn't able to communicate with the, the people in, and we had a team in India at that point. And I learned so much in that first 12 months. Luckily yeah. we found a, a small team in India who were amazing and actually taught us I had a team in India doing SEO for me back in the day. They taught me more about SEO than yeah. I could ever have taught them because that's what they did exactly. day in, day out. Like yes. I tapped into their knowledge base, which actually helped me sell more SEO to my clients. So I, I think – um, yeah, I think uh we've made the case. People should definitely be reaching out to E2M to punt. If you have capacity or bandwidth issues on your team and or or it's just you and you want to put your foot on the rev- on, on the revenue pedal and grow your agency, reach out to Manish and have a conversation with E2M Solutions. In fact, I think there's a special page that you guys have set up, uh e2m slash agency dash mavericks. We'll put a link underneath this episode so people can reach out and connect. Um and I also believe you're sponsoring MavCon again in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, which is coming up in a couple of months. Is that right?
0: That's correct. Yeah, we'll be there... uh in October in Virginia at
1: Mavcon again. Super oh, excited, wow. You, uh, so you're coming out? You, yes, all yes, right. I'll, I'll do that. Yep. yep <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I won't be sick yeah. this time. I promise I'm going to dose <laughs> up on my vitamins and, and not get sick. Uh, I'm so looking forward to coming out of the States, man. It's going to be awesome. Mavcon, October 16 and 17 in Fairfax, Virginia. And then we've got a few days off where I'm going to go to Manhattan and get my fix of, of New York and then uh, yeah. down to Dallas, Texas for the high-level summit. So that's going to be super, super fun. Hey, Manish, thank you so much. Much for joining us on the agency our podcast and thank you for being our exclusive sponsor here. We really appreciate everything you're doing for our community.
0: Absolutely Troy. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, I look forward to you know hanging out with you in Virginia in October then.
1: Awesome. Take care, my friend.
0: Likewise, thank you. Have a good one. Woohoo! Perfect. Yeah, this was great.
1: Yeah, awesome. We uh, we didn't oh. even touch on AI, but we can do that next time. You know, we can Yeah, next time. <laughs> so no, this many... is great.
0: I think uh it... It, it should be more conversational and
1: oh, absolutely! Useful, I, you know, high definitely yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love it. It's um, and I do want to get into. I'm deep in the AI rabbit hole at the moment. I'm kind of working out how AI can improve every part of our business. So we'll definitely talk about that um, more next oh, time. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to do some AI presentations out in uh, in yeah. Fairfax as well.
0: And uh, I'll, I'll share one. Uh, so you, uh, yesterday, last night, uh, I came across a good report. Uh, let me email that to you.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, I'll email to you. and So, Mackenzie published a really good, uh, you know, uh, done. I just uh, sent you an email. Cool. So, they published a really good uh, report, which uh, speaks about like AI revolution on economy. So, what kind of industry, it's a 68 pages, huge report, but, if you go to page number sixteen, page number twenty-five, they have a charts like which industry they are going to impact, disrupt, and uh, like the it has a really good facts and figures.
1: Great. Okay, so you've emailed that to me, have
0: you? Yes, I did.
1: Just, awesome. Did. I'll look forward to. I'll uh, stick it on the iPad and have some bedtime reading.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a long one, but it's like yeah. economic uh, the economic potential of generative AI. So, Great. And next, All right, uh, like, I'll look know, forward to it.
1: Era. That's it's very... an exciting time to be alive, man. It's like, I it feel is. like, I know a lot of people are scared of AI, but I actually feel like AI is going to push us into being more human. Exactly. hundred percent. Right? Such... It's going to push us to embrace the fact that we're human beings and that we're not pedal. We're not keyboard pushes and we're not pushing pixels around the screen. All that shit should be done by robots because they're better at it than us. And yeah. we should be more human. Right. And what... We do is we have empathy and we have conversations and we understand each other and we solve problems and then we use robots to actually do the work. That's the way it should be done, you know? We think. Yeah. It's what human beings do.
0: I think it's uh, it's something, you know, a little bit going on a more on a spiritual side, but I think it's going to raise the human consciousness to another yes. level. Yes, yes. Uh, because I think we human beings doing so many compulsive things uh, yeah. just because we did not have... This kind of technologies exist yeah. so far to do those kind of stuff, right?
2: That's so, right. Yeah.
0: I feel, uh, I, I totally agree with you that uh, uh, the AI, you know, it's going to make our lives much, much easier. Yeah. It's, it's, it's scary because mm. people, you know, uh, who are like, who are too much compulsive and they are not mm-hmm. willing to. Get out mm-hmm. of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they that's wrong. Yeah, they will yep. get re- replaced. But yep. people who are conscious, in my, I mean, you like it or hate it, you have to upgrade. You just have yeah. to keep pushing yourself. Yeah. Otherwise, you will become completely irrelevant. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with you, you know, that we just should leave things uh, to a, robots and AI, mm. what they are really good at. I and mean, we should really focus on improving the, you know, improving the health, improving the, like, lifestyle, you
1: know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
0: consciousness, helping mm-hmm. others and all that kind yep, of stuff. Yeah,
1: totally. You know, one thing I've been reflecting on a lot lately is the first half of this year I didn't do a lot of work. <clears throat> we moved house. Emily yeah. was running the business. Um, we Our little boy started school. Um, we were renovating the, the new house that we moved just to outside, the front and backyard. Then we had a holiday and then we had a couple of health scares with our kids and so I really did, I did hardly any work the first six months of this year, yeah. and it was strange because I had I had time to reflect on the fact that human being, we're called human beings, not human mm. doings, right? Yes. And human sure. beings don't know what to do with themselves if they're not solving a problem and they're not down some rabbit hole and they're not actually doing stuff and. Yeah. I spent a little bit of time in the hot tub the first six months of this year, just sitting out the backyard when we got our new hot tub installed. I spent a bit of time just sitting in the spa reading books and just reflecting on a Tuesday afternoon and going, I kind of feel guilty like I should be at work, but I I managed that. I was like, well, why? 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 I have a team. I have a team doing everything. Why should I be at work? Now, I'm back at work now because I'm having fun and I'm enjoying it, but I wonder what would happen... If we figured out a way to use the robots to do all of the work and make all of the money and we didn't have to do much, how would that change humanity? How would that change the conversations that we... If if you and I got on a call, not because we needed to or because we were trying to grow our business, but just to explore philosophies and ideas and concepts and there was no commercial model behind it because the AI bots were doing everything anyway, Right. How would that change our interactions and and globally, geopolitically? How would that change things? It's a huge shift.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if this is gonna happen for sure. In a in a one line, we are not designed to just make money, pay the bills, and die. That's it. Mm,
1: right. That's right. We're not.
0: I think you know, majority of people are doing the same thing you know yeah. everyone is after like making money pay the bills that's a circle mm-hmm. so it's a mm-hmm. vicious circle we are trapped mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. and like you said you know the moment you take the time off from that vicious circle you start feeling guilty just right. imagine how much you know we are so much trapped into that that mm-hmm. the moment we take time off we start feeling mm-hmm. guilty hey you know mm-hmm. i should be taking uh, it shouldn't be taking time off i should be working mm-hmm. instead because mm-hmm. I have to make more money. I have to. So I, 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 absolutely agree. You know, it is, and you can only discuss these ideas, philosophies when you get free, right? I think. Yes. Doing nothing, getting a having a free time is so much underrated. Where Correct. If <laughs> you just if you just take some time off, and it's 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 like you know human psychology. The moment you say, "Hey, I'm gonna take some time off," the second question, "What are you gonna do?" Yeah. Right. And yeah. you say nothing and then are you serious? Nothing? I mean, wouldn't you get bored and you say, I oh, know I'll figure it out, but I, at least I don't have any anything on your mind, right?
2: Yes. It it happens yes. with
0: entrepreneurs as well. The moment you sell your business, someone is mm-hmm. gonna ask you that, Okay, what are you
2: gonna, what are do, you gonna
0: do? Right? Yeah. So it's like that Sleep uh, in. That yeah. <laughs> Imposter syndrome, right? That's um, right. So I, this question comes to my mind, you know, and I'm actually training my mind where, okay, that if I sell my business one day, mm-hmm. the second question comes to my mind. Yeah. What am I going to do with Right. Yeah. And yeah. then that stops me from thinking more in that direction because it creates a fear in my mind that. Yes. Okay. What am I going to do if I get free? You no. Know? And then that's, I, you know, I was listening to one podcast. They call it like astronaut syndrome. So astronaut mm-hmm. syndrome is kind of like when astronauts come from back from the space, they keep them isolated for some more period of time. They call it mm-hmm. like astronaut syndrome because it's mm-hmm. very difficult for them to adjust in the atmosphere of Earth and this mm-hmm. kind of lifestyle, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
0: I read these kind of things like, mm-hmm. and it's, it surprised me, right? You know, it's so much underrated. Mm-hmm. The moment you say, I'm going to do nothing, people are surprised. Mm. so you have to say the, what are the ans- acceptable answers vacation time mm. off right mm. i'm going to do something new research but mm. nothing is not acceptable answer it's yes, kind of like right. it's very hard for a society yeah. to digest right obviously yeah. you don't need to explain anyone right but mm. it's it's more about you see how we are wired how we have yeah. been wired which is wrong so i, totally. I don't totally agree yeah. that you know ai yeah. uh, yeah, is a blessing where it is. you can have the, lo- I mean, I was reading this thing. The future of business is a lot they are saying is a solopreneur as well, where you have the tools and AIs who are working for you mm-hmm. and you are not managing people and they you're constantly, you know, having this kind of tools who are doing stuff for you. Mm-hmm. And then you are spending more time on, you know, developing and evolving
1: yourself. Or, you know, playing guitar. Yeah. Or, exactly. Or, or you know, volunteering at your kid's school. Yeah. Or you know, doing like doing you know w- one of the things. It's interesting. Like our whole sense of self worth is tied up in, in what we do, right? So you go to a barbecue and you meet someone. One of the first questions you ask is, "What do you do?".
0: Yeah.
1: Right. That's correct. Not. not <laughs> I don't do not, anything. Right. What? You don't ask who are you. Who are you? Or, how are you? doing? How are you, how are you feeling? How, how are you is feeling? your heart? Yeah. How is your family? How so is your true. health? You ask, "What so do you true. do?" Yeah. And they say, "Oh, you know, I, I'm I'm an electrician." And all of a sudden, you put them in a box straight away so that you can yeah. understand them, right? So and true. and yeah, that's right. Who do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, what do you want to be when you grow that's
0: up? So, so we we kind of like label people, you know, that's right. you just like judge so yeah. quickly and put them yeah. in a category, right? Yeah. Instead of just having an Open conversation, open yeah. uh, communication, and have, have you and, read?
1: Um, have you read the um, the almanac of Naval Ravaskar? Yes, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, yeah I think you know yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, one thing that brings me to because I have been reading him since last five years. It yeah, and yeah. his his uh, ideologies, philosophies, and frameworks yeah. helped me a lot to yeah. change my thinking. It yeah, helped me a same. lot to be successful personally. And professionally, mm. I think, you know, one thing he said that if he would have an option to live the life again, mm. he would be living life where he will not be doing anything for the sake of obligation, right? Mm. So mm. like you say, mm-hmm. playing a guitar or mm-hmm. volunteering in a kid's school,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you do not have an obligation to do something. So right now what we are doing is like, okay, I want to do this thing because I have an obligation to pay my bills, take care of my family or buy a house or or some sort of like that, right? So that's what they are talking about, universal basic income as well. That, okay, what if we have like, you know, uh, I know, you know, then there will be no incentive and there will be no innovation and everything. So there is a, it's a debatable question, but they are saying that, I don't know if you read about universal basic income. If you Mm. read that thing, it's like they are talking about having the same income for everyone. Mm-hmm. And then people just do naturally what they like. Mm-hmm. And the world will be absolutely different place. Mm.
1: It's,
0: uh, yeah. But then there are a lot of developments And I, I actually think, you know,
1: there, there, there is... It's funny because I've been thinking about this a lot lately and I, I do have to get to another call. But yeah. um, but um, um uh, for, for commercial incentive does drive innovation, right? So companies yeah. will invest in innovation and technology for commercial gain. But if you didn't need to, if there was no commercial gain human beings would still innovate to solve problems. In fact, I think that the climate problems would be solved faster if there was no financial, commercial gain, if it was just human beings with all the resources we needed, which we've got on the planet, innovating together to solve these big problems. And there was no competition to get there first for trademarks or patents or commercial gain that we would solve those problems faster because we wouldn't be competing with each other we'd be collaborating and working together and That's universal true. basic income is definitely a lever and a mechanism that can be used to help us get there so interesting conversations man i i could talk to you and i will talk to you more about this stuff so yeah maybe uh,
0: next episode we'll just go off yes. track and we'll be more yes, like totally. spiritual and AI. yeah 100 love it AI philosophy it. and spirituality Love it. Let's talking. do that.
1: All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Manish. Look forward Thank to you seeing Troy. you in a couple of months. All right. Take for care, my friend. Bye bye. Thank you, Manish. Bye you for know. now. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Agency Hour podcast. It means a lot to us, and I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as we're enjoying making it. And a massive thanks to Manish for joining us. Thank you once again for sponsoring the podcast. Can't wait to catch up at Mavcon. Okay, folks, if you need to increase your agency's capacity so you can serve more clients and get more of that sweet, sweet recurring revenue be sure to visit E2M at e2msolutions.com slash agency-mavericks. There'll be a link somewhere near this episode. If you'd like to work with us to grow your agency so you can free up your time, increase your profit margins, and spend more time with the people you care about, then click the link beneath this podcast. Have a quick chat with our team and we'll get you moving in the right direction. And if you're able to get yourself to the US in October, You can join us in person at our mastermind event, MabCon. It's incredible. These events are truly transformational. There really is no substitute to being in a room of mavericks and working on your agency together. It's transformational no matter what level you're at. And don't forget to subscribe and please share this with anyone who you think may need to hear it. I'm Troy Dean. Remember, go solar.